Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What an awesome God we have. So good to have you here on Father's Day. And uh, this morning we are going to be uh, just hearing about the heart of our Heavenly Father. And I want you to, to grab a hold of it because... Uh, I know some of you, maybe you didn't have uh, a father, an earthly father that, uh, well, maybe he wasn't, wasn't there, or maybe there was disappointment after disappointment, and uh, maybe there was uh, a neglect, or maybe you didn't have that father. Uh, yeah, you were born, and then there was no father there. I don't know where, what your background may be, but this morning I want you to know that our Father in Heaven is not that Father. He's not like an earthly Father. And as good as our earthly fathers could have been, and are, are perhaps as good as they may be, they cannot touch and come close to what and who our Heavenly Father is. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So yeah, the Lord is good. And this morning, I'm going to get right into the Word. We're going to have some uh, announcements at the end. But... Um, uh, for those that, uh, if the kids, if any kids, uh, there's classes, feel free. Uh, parents, bring your children to uh, the Sunday school class. Praise the Lord. Before we start, let's just, let's just pray. Lord, this morning you desire to reveal the extent of your heart to us. You desire to show your tremendous love, Father. And so this morning, I pray that there will be a quickening and a stirring in every heart. And Lord, those that perhaps are here and they're just struggling this morning. And maybe, Lord, there's nobody they can turn to. And Lord, I just pray that, that they would know that they can turn to you, Father. This morning, I pray that the things that would distract would be removed in Jesus' name. The things that would hold back would be, would be broken right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that the, the things that are of deception and of lie and of lies, Lord, I just pray that there would be a, a re revelation and eyes open this morning to see the extent, Father, of your tremendous love for each and every one. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, uh, this, this message I would entitle, The Heart of the Father, and, uh, or uh, just that you would know He loves you. This morning, we have a Father in heaven that loves us. As I was saying, maybe your earthly father was not close or is not close. Maybe there's not a, 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 a close relationship. Maybe there's a, a distancing. Maybe there's just a, a, a huge disappointment perhaps with your earthly father. As I mentioned, even uh, I, I, I grew up in a, in a home and had a father that, uh, that was... Uh, an amazing individual and loved, loved us three boys uh, and loved uh, his wife 
tremendously and had an amazing example of, of what it is to, to have a good father and to be a father. And uh, my dad wasn't perfect, but uh, there was much of the Lord in him. And I truly can see that those things were a result of who God was to him and the changes that God had made in his life early on in his life. And uh, so I thank God for my, my earthly father. But our heavenly father is so much beyond what we can be, even as fathers, as myself, uh, Julie and I, with our three daughters and, and now two son-in-laws. Uh, there's, there's nothing that compares to who our Heavenly Father is. And sometimes we may feel that, that there's a distancing or there's not a closeness to our Father in Heaven. This morning, I just I want you to know um, that God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God desires to be a father to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. And if you have your Bibles with you, <clears throat> I'm going to be pulling from this passage and... and uh, uh, just mainly touching in ar around 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and a little bit in chapter 5. But the very last verse, and I started off the, services with, the service with this passage, 2 Corinthians 6, 18 says, I will be a father to you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And the the passage, or in the, the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, this Lord Almighty uh, has this, this illustration of one that, that nourishes and takes care of. The God that is Almighty is also the one that is there to take care of you. And you say, what? Does God know my situations? Does God know where I'm at today, right now? Does God know what I've gone through? Yes, he does. He knows everything about you. Every single thing about you, he knows. And he says, I want to be a father to you, and I want you to be my sons and my daughters. Regarding children, there's instruction given for our children. And as parents, it's interesting that as our children grow up, there are things that we need to do and speak into their lives. So Ephesians 6 verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So there's this aspect of, of obedience. I, I, I know as, as a father, when there's not obedience, there's a frustration, at times even to the point of anger, when a child is being disobedient. And so there's a responding by the parent. And oftentimes there's a thing of correcting and correction that uh, takes place as, as we bring up our children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And we correct. I, I would say for your, your children to obey, there needs to be 
a parent giving instruction, giving command, giving leadership, giving that training, giving speaking into the life of a child. If you don't speak to your children, if there's no relationship, it's kind of hard for a child to obey if there's no verbal connection, there's no interaction. So there needs to be an interaction. I want you to know this morning that the heart of God is for relationship. The heart of God is for interaction. The heart of God is for uh, speaking into our lives. And so that we as children of God would obey, just like we would desire for our children to obey, that we would say, Lord, I'm going to love, I'm going to obey your commands. In John 14 Verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Every time that you do what the Lord would have you do, you say, you are saying in your actions, not just with words, in your actions, you're saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. You can know that I love you because of my actions. And so even as we have this scripture for our children, children, and we would say, to our children, you know what? It is good for you to obey your parents. And it goes on not just to obey, but also to honor. I was speaking to somebody just the other day. This individual was, because of the conduct, a young adult, because of his conduct, was not the, the, the parents as that said, I've had enough, get out. I can't take this. We can't take this behavior anymore. So I happened to meet up with this individual at the hospital. Didn't, don't know him. Didn't know him. But the parent, the mother, was saying to this young man, to her son, I'm going to give you another chance. I don't know if I'll see this young man again. I don't know. But I had an opportunity, just a short opportunity to speak into his life. And I know it was of the Lord. The timing, everything. I wasn't planning to be there at that particular time. I don't think he was planning to be there at the, that particular time. But there was something that happened even as we, I got to the hospital. And there uh, I was going to see uh, Ron. And uh, he was outside. Next thing I knew, this young man joins our conversation because... He was, he knew Ron had been laying in the next bed over uh, for a number of days. And so he came. And the word I said to him, I said, obey your, your mom and your stepdad. You want things to go well? I'll, I'll guarantee this. I'm going to guarantee that if you obey your, your mother and your, your stepdad and you honor them. And what's the, what's the difference between obedience and honor? Obedience is a thing of, of action. Honor is a thing of attitude. So you can obey your parent. And I, 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 I said to him, I said, you know what? You can be obedient to your, your, your mother and your father or your stepdad. But up here, what's going on up here is, oh man, the first chance I have, I am out of here. And within, the, within you, there's a seething against your, your mother and your father. You're obedient, 
but they have no idea, or maybe they're getting glimpses of what's in your heart and in your mind, and the, this attitude of dishonor. To honor. Your parents aren't perfect. Parents aren't perfect. I'm, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But I want you to know, it says, as we obey and honor our mother and father, it says, which is the first commandment with promise. This is from God, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. The Lord desires to bless regardless of whether you're a believer or not. Because I've seen a lot of unbelievers that have been obedient to their parents and have honored their parents. And God blesses them, believer or non-believer. I've seen it. The unbeliever that, that, that shows they have obeyed their, their mom and dad growing up. And even as they might leave the house, they honor them with their attitude. Because I'll tell you right now, this is a promise that God is giving that says it will be well with you and you will live long on this earth. Praise God. Praise God. Our Heavenly Father... desires for us to obey and honor him as well. And children, when it comes to our children and the responsibility we have of them being blessed is to make sure our children obey them. And I'll tell you right now, sometimes that make there might be some extreme things happening. And there's tempers, little two-year-old temper tantrums, for goodness sake, it's not cute. Correct it. And even as they would grow up, and even at a young age and growing up, scriptures say there's foolishness bound up in a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from them. There's been many times where I've had the board of education applied to the seat of knowledge. Know what I'm saying? And I want you to know this this morning, you know what? I, whether it's with our, our own children, as they obey and honor, and your children, as they obey and honor you, there's a blessing that flows from you to them. And that's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. The, our Heavenly Father desires that there's blessing flowing from Him to you. That's what he wants, Lord, that we would obey you, that we would honor you. We have a heavenly father. I just want to say quickly, the moment that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you, you turned, there was, you were headlong on a road that was leading to destruction. You turned and you repented of your direction and you repented and you said, Lord, I cannot continue God, I can't continue to do the things that I'm doing. It's killing me, literally. I'm, I know that if I continue down this path, there's going to be destruction. And so there's a repentance of direction and a repentance even of behavior to say, I can't keep doing that. But that's not enough. There's a turning to God Almighty. And as we acknowledge Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did for us on a cross 2,000 years ago, it says that even as we believe on Him, and we receive him into our lives. 
It says we are born of God. It happens supernaturally. It happens immediately. Literally. And the, the moment that we do this thing of repentance and this thing of believing on Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us, he died for us. I say, what did he die for? The thing that separates us from God is just one sin. And so one sin, he took care of each and every one of our sins, and not just our sins, past, but present and future. He took care of them all if our faith is in him. And what he did for us on the cross, his body broken, his blood shed for us on a cross so that we can have life. Praise God. And even as we would receive him into our lives, there is new life that comes. We are a new creation. Hallelujah. I will be a father to you. Listen, as we receive Christ, it says we are born of God. John 1.13. We are born of God by receiving Christ into our lives. That means, Jesus, I believe in you and I follow you daily. And I, Lord, I'm going to put you as Lord in my life. Not my will, your will be done. And the moment we receive Christ into our lives is the moment that God becomes our Father because we are born spiritually and supernaturally of God. It's the most important thing we can do because it will impact our present life. It will take care of our past life. And it will take care of our future and our eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. I thank God for the future and the eternity that I have. Praise the Lord. He is worthy. So we become children of God. And the heart of God is relationship. The heart of God is relationship. He wants, he wants fellowship. Do you know that when God made Adam, he fashioned him, everything else he spoke into ex exist, existence. He says, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be sun, the sun and the stars, and the sun and the stars came. Let there be, let there be an earth. Let there be things on that planet. Everything he spoke into existence, when it came to man, he took the, the dust and the, the, the dirt and he formed man. Can you imagine the intricacy of it? And I'm thinking, God, physically, you must have had to form us from the inside out. You must have had to form us from the inside out. And when we look at the human body and the intricacy of the human bodies, to think that God formed Adam and made Adam, and it says he breathed life. After he was formed, he breathed life into him. And when it came to, to Eve, and even as Adam was seeing that the animals, there was male and female, and there was, even with the animals, there was relationship, he's saying, hey, but I'm alone. And he made Eve from, the, from a rib of Adam. All the things of man and woman. There's a, there's a connection. 
But even as Adam and Eve were made, it says that God came in the cool of the day. In the evening, God would come, literally, and walk with them and have interaction with them. That's the heart of God is relationship. It's relationship. I want to be your father. I want you to be my sons and my daughters. We're talking about relationship. And so often there's, there's no relationship between parents and their children. And sometimes it's a thing of geography, but sometimes it's not just a thing of geography. There's, it's just thing, even with geography, you can still be close in this day and age. Thank God for FaceTime and technology and, and connection. It's amazing what we have. But you know what? We can have those things, but if there's no relationship, um, I just don't want to be with my, my mother or father. I don't want to be with my father. So, I want to be your father. I want to just backtrack a little bit. In verse 11, 2 Corinthians 11, or 6 verse 11, it says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. In other words, we love you. Now, there's two letters that Paul writes in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it is of God. And the scriptures are inspired by God. And so here are these two letters that are written to the Corinthian church that Paul had started. And there was a separating. And, and there were things where, like, if you read a letter or the first letter, you recognize that, man, this church had some major issues. And so Paul writes to them saying, hey, listen, you need to get these things corrected. Chapters from the first letter, there's chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And, and each one is a, a chapter of correcting. Correct, correct, correct. Then it goes to the second, this second letter. And actually, Paul is, is excited about the changes that are taking place. There are still some areas that he, he's concerned with for some, but m many have already made a change to, to open up to Paul and recognize, hey, this is the, our pastor, our first pastor that we had, and it started off with just one person getting saved and then another and another, and the church was established in the city of Corinth. And here Paul is, is writing a letter to them and letters to them. And he says, our heart is wide open. We love you. You are not restricted. And this word restricted may mean to be put in a narrow or cramped place. When you're constricted or confined, anybody out there that is claustrophobic, it's like you just, oh my goodness, I don't like to be in confined tight areas. There's a panic about, about you if you're, if you're caught and you can't move, you know, and you're stuck. How am I going to get out? This thing of being restricted, but it also has to do with the fact of, of the distress that comes with restriction. There's a distress. There's oftentimes a panic. I've never had this done, but I guess for uh, MRIs, is it MRIs that you have to go on the machine and you have to be still and you're, you're, you can't move and you've got this thing right in front of your face? So I'm, I've been told that a lot of people struggle getting in there, staying there for half an hour, 45 minutes. 
There's a distress. Some people just say, get me out of here. I got to get out. And there's a panic. You are not distressed by us. But listen. But you are distressed by your own affections. The things that we move towards, the things we grab a hold of, they cause restriction and distress in our lives. It's not, and we'll see, it's not God. It is not God saying, well, hey, I'm going to do this to you and that to you and whatever. And yes, there are times where God does correct and there's times where we have chastisement. But his intent, if you read in Hebrews chapter 10, the intent even of chastisement in chapter 12 as well, I believe, the, the, the intent is that there is benefit to us in the correction. We are chastised for our benefit. I'll tell you right now, you don't chastise the two or three-year-old that's running out into the street or correct. Say, hey, you cannot go out in the street. Do not go out into the street. You're going to get hurt. And if they do it a second time, there's maybe a, a bigger consequence. Because now they're not listening. They understood, and they're not listening. There needs to be correction. But here God is saying, listen, the distress that you are in is not because of us. It's not because of God. It is because of your affections, your own affections. The things that we put into our lives that are not of God. The things we chase after that are not of God in our heart, our, our flesh, our carnal flesh, the things of the flesh crave after these things. Have you ever struggled with certain temptations? It's like, man, I know this isn't good, and yet I'm craving it. I'll tell you right now, it's our flesh and the old man. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. That's why Jesus says, daily, take up your cross. The flesh, Jesus physically died on the cross. It was his flesh that was put down. Our flesh needs to be put down daily because we go, we are restricted. We are in distress because our own affections, not the affections of God, the things that God would have for us, but it's our own affections. And it's like, God, <laughs> let me not want the things of the flesh. The things of our spirit, different story. Our spirit desires the things of God. And our flesh, as it comes, the old man, even as we were saved and the, the old, we, we became a new creation in and through Jesus Christ, our old man, our old nature wants to come back to life. And I'll, let, me, let me just say this. You know, this, this will help you. The old man wants to come back to life daily. Daily. So daily... I put them down. Because if I don't, I'll tell you, it's amazing when you allow the old man to come back, the things of the past, the things that you craved and the things of the flesh, the old man, the flesh, same thing. The next thing you'll know is you will be going and deviating and you will get to a point of restriction and distress. I thank God. It says, now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. You be open. We love you so much. And basically, Paul is saying, the Lord loves you so much. And he's saying, as we go through these, these verses, 
how much God loves them. Return the love of God. Man, God wants relationship with you. Return the love that he has for you back to him. And so now Paul starts by the Holy Spirit. This is now God, God is speaking through Paul. The Father is speaking to his children in Corinth, and he's speaking to us. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I'm not saying, hey, listen, I have interaction with unbelievers. My intent for interaction is for their salvation. But I am not unequally yoked with, hey, you know what? My best bud is an unbeliever. I'll tell you right now. When you are unequally yoked, yoke means I am tied together with them. It'll get to a point where you're going in this direction, they're going in this direction, and eventually you will get tired. And you say, oh, I just give up. And you will be dragged along with where they're going and what they're doing. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, he's talking about, he's not here, it's, it's not the thing of salvation. It's more a thing of relationship. And the relationship I have is righteousness with lawlessness. They're doing things that are lawless, and I want to do what's righteous because God has made me righteous. And now here, there's this unequal yoking together, and there is a distress that's happening in my life. What communion has light with darkness? You're of light and you are going into the places and the things of darkness. Don't do it. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about relationship. Jesus says in John 3, I already mentioned John 3.16. You know that verse, first, God so loved the world. But it goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, saved from our sins. So we, we are, are saved as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. He who believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe in Jesus is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemned. Lord, let my faith be in no one else, nothing else, but Jesus Christ and him crucified for me. Thank you, God, for your tremendous love. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. So the light comes, and men, so as soon as there's light, there's an exposing. When you're in the dark, even the expression, when you're in the dark, I didn't know, I can't see. I'm in the dark. But when the light comes, you switch on the light. So you look around and say, where am I? Okay, what's going on? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that this was going on. I didn't know that, man, I was so close to the edge, to the cliff, on the edge of the cliff. Whoa, oh, okay. You back off because the light. You look at yourself and you realize, oh, my goodness, there's dirt all about me. There are things that I am doing, I'm not right. That's why Peter, the, one of the first times that he met Jesus, it says, he says, oh man, I'm a, I'm a sinner. The light of who Jesus was, without even speaking a word, there's this conviction in, in Peter saying, oh my goodness, look at me. Look at me. But the, here's what the sinner does, or the one, it says, the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what? 
I'm just going to continue to do, do evil. I, I get away from the light. And I, listen, one of the things that I see happening oftentimes in church, when people stop coming after, a, a, there's, you know, it's, it's one thing, okay, I'm working or I, something came up or whatever. But when there's a prolonged, a prolonging of not, des- there's no desire to be in the house of the Lord. It's because when I come to the house of the Lord, the light is turned on and I look at myself and I recognize where I am and I don't like it. So there's a conviction. I don't want to be in the house of the Lord, so I'm going to go back into what I'm doing, and there's no conviction. The light's off, and it's dark, and, and I, make, I feel good because I don't see the mess that I'm in, and I don't see that I'm going to be falling off the cliff shortly or getting into a place of distress. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, and Jesus is the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But So when we do the truth of Jesus Christ, and we come to him, and we're in the light, and come to light, that his deeds may clearly be seen. They see, oh man, I am a sinner. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And immediately... We're forgiven because the heart of God is for relationship. The heart of God is for relationship. I want relationship with, with man. And so even as my deeds, I take care and I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus. How can you wash away sin only as your faith is in Jesus and you confess your sin to the Lord and you just say, Lord, forgive me. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we are made clean. And we, look, we come into the presence of God. It's so good to be in your presence, Lord. And we're clean in his righteousness. Praise God. Going back to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 15, it says, And what accord, what agreement does Christ have with Belial? Satan, or in other words, Satan. What, what, what agreement does Christ have with Satan? None. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever to be, to, to be attached to the unbeliever? No, nothing. Relation, we can have interaction with the unbeliever, sure. But for the sake of salvation. What agreement has a temple of God with idols? We, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What does it have to do with idols, the things of this world, the things of, the, of Satan? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And so we are in distress. We're confined. We're restricted. And it's like, oh my goodness. And the Lord is saying, come to me. Come to me. I want to receive you. Separate yourself from the things and the ways of this world. I'll tell you right now, when we get attached to unbelievers and the ways of this world, we begin to see their views and accept their view. We begin to see their philosophies and logically some things may make sense. And so we start doing the the way we do things like the world. That's a philosophy. A philosophy is the way you do something. 
And so the philosophies of this world then is, well, hey, I'm going to, I start to grab a hold of them. Their beliefs are contrary to God. Next thing you know, there's this questioning. Did God really say that? Is that really what God means? Yeah, no, I can, I can keep sinning. It's not that bad. I've asked Jesus into my life and forgiven, but I can keep sinning. I can keep practicing sin. It's okay. I cannot believe what some believers and Christians, they justify their behavior that is following after the ways of the world. And the Lord is saying, I want you to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Doesn't mean that we can't include, but definitely that we would be separate. I'm not going to do the, the things of the world. Why? It's a detriment. It brings me to a place of restriction. I can't move. I'll tell you, alcohol, what a nasty thing. What a nasty thing. And there's so many different things that we grab a hold of and we try to justify. Well, hey, you know, it's law now. You can, you can do this and you can do that. You know, five years ago it wasn't law. You got incarcerated for it, but now it's, it's acceptable. And so we justify and we do things and we know they're not right. The Holy Spirit convicts and we get to a place of restriction and confinement. Not because of God, but because of the path that we're on. Hallelujah. His heart is for reconciliation. I want to jump back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So the next part, I'm going to go through very quickly. I'm going to read a lot of different passages here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 12 to verse 21. Let me go through it quickly. It says, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. And so he's referring to uh, the fact that there were people that had come into the church that called themselves apostles. They were preaching a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit, not the Holy Spirit, was coming into the church because of these individuals. Listen, if I'm not preaching the word of God, if I'm not talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, if I'm not talking uh, about what he is saying, and, and there's a, be careful. Some of you, watch who you're listening to. You have your favorite Oh, man, I listen to so-and-so. Man, I feel good when they're done. There are things here that were, had crept into the church. Chapter 11, really, Paul is saying, I can't believe how far you've gone. Some of you, you and you've hung on to. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I, I have betrothed you to one husband, to God, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity of Jesus Christ and him crucified. For if he comes, preaches another Jesus... Not Jesus Christ and Him crucified, but I don't know. Whatever, Jesus, you come to Jesus, He'll give you lots of money. 
If he comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You put up with it. And Paul is concerned. Now, you know, he's concerned for, uh, for those that are still hanging on. Many of them had switched and uh, were, were doing what was right. And so here, he says, I, these, to boast... So I don't want to boast. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He's talking about Jesus here, that we would live for Jesus. I would, I would live for him. He died for me, I want to live for him. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. For even though we have known Christ according to flesh, we, we beheld him, we, we saw him. Now this is, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus even after Jesus had descended. Yet now we know him thus no longer, not in the flesh as he was 2,000 years ago walking on this planet, but we see him differently now that he's risen. From the dead. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation in and through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Lord has made me new. He's forgiven me of my sins. I have become a new creation in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, now all things are of God, and he's going to use the same word or of this root five times in the next few verses. So in the verses here, we, we, are new, we have new life in Christ. He's forgiven us, and there's new life in him. There's relationship. But not, now he starts, in the next few verses, he talks about reconciliation. Now all, listen. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled to Christ. So part of it is like, what is reconciliation and being reconciled and the ministry of reconciliation? Let me just give you definition of this word. When something, if you look at the books, Financially, if, you're in a biz if you have a business and you're looking at the books and you're, you're realizing that something doesn't quite add up. And so you're going back to reconcile, to put everything back in place. There's a variance. There's something off. I should have X number of dollars and I don't have that. I have something different. So what? I'm missing something here. And so reconciliation means you put it back into to order. You put it back into place. Now, what does that mean when it comes to us spiritually? So there's an adjustment of a difference. Another way to look at it is when it comes to relationship is a restoration to favor. When you get back into favor with somebody, have you ever had struggle with, with relationship with somebody and you knew, okay, this is not good? And so you're doing whatever you can to restore relationship because when there's no relationship, 
there's this thing of there's no favor. We're not, we're, we're not getting along. And there's a, there's a combat between us, and there's no favor. I'll tell you right now, that is always of the enemy when it comes to brothers and sisters in the church. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We should not fight against flesh and blood, against your brother and sister. There needs to be reconciliation, a restoration to the favor of relationship. Have you ever had relationship restored? And it's like, oh, man, that feels so good. This is where God the Father is at. His heart is of reconciliation. It says, let me read again. Actually, let me just say one more thing about reconciliation. In the New Testament, of the restoration of the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for you and me. It, the reconciliation comes through this repentance and putting of faith. This is by definition in context here of reconciliation. There's a thing of repentance. I'm turning from the way I was heading and I'm coming back to the Lord. And I do that by placing my trust, not just in repenting, but I place my trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for me. All right, now let's go back to this verse. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us, put us back into a place of favor to himself through Jesus Christ. Okay, that makes sense. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The, what he has given to us is that we would have see people reconciled to God. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen, we were of this world, but we were reconciled to God. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Hey, we were guilty, but he took care of every single one of our sins, and we are no longer guilty. You say, God, would you, could you forgive a murderer? Yeah. God can forgive even a murderer. Now, there, are, there may be consequences about, yeah, okay, you, you, someone got killed, and, and, and so now you're in jail as a result of that. Can God forgive someone like that? Yeah. As they would humble themselves, and so there's this thing of even the most extreme things, not imputing their trespasses to them. So the things we're guilty of, boom, taken away. It's been paid for. Thank you, Jesus. This is the heart of God. This is the Father saying, I know what you've done. I know your past. I know where you're at right now. And I forgive you as you place your faith. Repent, turn, and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And you have reconciliation so you don't get to a place of restriction. So not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Had a conversation. Hey, you don't like these types of people. And I don't want to mention any groups of people or anything like that. The church doesn't like these groups of people. I thank God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about, and such were some of you. You used to be like that, but God saved you. You're no longer like that. You've been forgiven. You're not continuing on with sin. You've been forgiven. You have relationship with God. There's a freedom. I'm no longer restricted. Hallelujah. And so he's giving to us the ministry 
of reconciliation. He has, as Paul says, we've been committed to, uh, committed to us the word of reconciliation. You can have right standing with God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is somebody that, that is a representative of Christ. I speak for Christ. As though God were pleading. Listen, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is where I am, I'm at as a, as a pastor right now, overseeing this flock. And on my heart, there is a thing we need to do whatever we can. Listen, I don't have the connections in the circles that you do. I, have those, I don't have those connections. I am saying to you, you be an ambassador for Jesus Christ and the connections that you have, that there would be a pleading and an imploring because time is running out. There is a, I think we would be shocked how little time we have left before Jesus comes back. I don't know how much time we have. And it's like we see stuff happening around us. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I adjust and whatever. And I keep going on living. Not recognizing that the trumpet is going to sound soon. And we need to be ready for his return. That we're caught up because we're reconciled with God. We have relationship with God. And so he's put on us. And this is what's on me as I'm saying it again. If you have connection with the unbeliever or somebody that has wandered away as a, as a, a Christian or they're, they're backslidden or they're wayward or they're stuck in whatever, don't come to condemn them, but just in a spirit of gentleness, restore them to relationship with God. How does that look? It is that their faith is not in themselves. Because I'll tell you right now, when I'm not in right relationship with God, it's because I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. And when I get things right with God, Lord, forgive me. Lord, my faith is in you and what you did for me on the cross. Your body broken, your blood shed for me. That is where my faith is. And there's a restoration. You know what? There's a lot of people that are trying to do what is right in their own strength. All the, and it's not enough. Because the Holy Spirit desires to do the work that we cannot do. And so what happens is their faith is in something else. I'm just dealing with somebody. Listen, I'm dealing with somebody. Like we're talking extreme. The consequences are extreme. And I remember this individual saying to me, I don't think that what Jesus did for me is enough. And so what was do happening as a believer was saying, I am going to do things in my own strength, and pastor, you got to help me. I can't help you. I can talk to you. I can direct you. I can guide you. I cannot make you do anything. And so they're saying, I'm going to try to do things in my own strength or I'm going to get, I need to have some organization or some program to help me. No. It is Jesus Christ that is able to take us out of the quicksand. It is Jesus Christ that is able to take us out of the restrictions and the oppression and the distresses. And we go everywhere else to say, well, Jesus isn't working fast enough for me, so I need this help, I need that help, and I need that help. Now listen, I'm not saying that 
We can't have help from different areas. Man, that's where our faith is at. It's in the wrong place. And so there's these struggles that take place because I am on my own as a believer. And the Holy Spirit, I am grieving the Holy Spirit that wants to do a work. And the Father that says, hey, I don't want you to, man. I know some of you, as you would come to me regarding your children that are wayward. And I see the pain of a mother and a father with their children that are not where they should be at. And they're grieving. They want to do something and there's a pushing back. No, I'm on my own. No relationship because of the affections that the individual has. And it's not God. And they get to this place. And the father is saying, and there's a grieving and there's a pain. Just like we as, as fathers, as parents, mothers, we would grieve over our children that are heading in the wrong direction. They want nothing to do with us because of the affections that they have, that they're hanging on to. And God is saying, listen, I want to help you. I want relationship with you. And we would have that, that, that thing of bringing others to relationship with God. So before the Lord returns, that the ministry of reconciliation would be ours. That we would be ambassadors for Christ because the Father loves you so much and He loves the sinner and He loves even the person that is a murderer. We love them as they would repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. So whatever we do, no matter what, now I'm going to read very quickly as we finish. And if I could have the worship team come up, Andrew, and can we, can we do that one song about the broken, brokenness and brokenhearted? If we, if we can do that song. And I want you to just allow the Lord, just, Lord, man, have I been restricted? I've been oppressed. I've been distressed. I didn't know that you loved me that much. And I, I, now I'm realizing it's, my, it's not because of you. It's my affections. The things that I'm grabbing a hold of, they're not right. Lord, I confess it and I just say, Lord, forgive me. Father, forgive me. I need you in my life. Listen, this morning, if you are not a child of God, you can come to him. Jesus, I yes, I'm a sinner. Man, am I in a bad way. I can't believe that you love me so much. Father, you gave your son to die for me, to come and spend 33 and a half years on this planet, confined and restricted in the human body, letting go of the divinity of who he was, as in all the powers that I have to speak a word. I'm just going to let it go right now, and I'm going to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he came and he died for us on a cross. I'll tell you right now, if you and I were crucified, they say that's the most excruciating pain that you could possibly endure. And it takes a long time to die. Do you, did Jesus feel what, what we would feel? Like we scrape, we cut, get a cut, we have something poked through our skin and we're in pain. To be hanging on the cross for six hours and all the torture he endured before... His body broken, his blood shed, and all even worse than that physically was the, the sin 
of all mankind, past, present, and future, put on Jesus Christ in the moment because he loves you. And he says, I want to deal with that thing, your affections that cause you distress and restriction. I want to take care of that, that you would be born of God. Come into my life, Jesus. Be a part of my life. And as we receive Christ, we are born of God, which makes God then our Father in heaven. If you don't receive Christ, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to Father except by me. If we don't receive Christ, we are not born of God. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how religious you are. If you do not receive Christ for your salvation, believing in that, he, that he came and he died for you, you cannot be born of God. And God is saying, hey, I love you so much. Can we stand together? If there's anybody here that's in that place, we're going to say a prayer in a moment. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer together, and then we'll sing this song in closing. I want you to have reconciliation. I want you to get into the favor of God. How many of you want to be in the favor of God? Absolutely. It is good as we get things right with him. So here, here's what Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, and we see the heart of God even to work through us to bring others to Christ. It says, we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not that you got saved and now you, you moved away, that it was in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, right now, if you're in the wrong place, now is the time of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We don't, I don't want to be a stumbling block to you. That you would say, oh, well, Pastor Dave did this. You know, I want nothing to do with Jesus. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. We, 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 we walk as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulation, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, that's in, in, where there's turmoil, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, on the left, by, the, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and, in, and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. I like that. Might be poor, but I have the ability to make people rich, to have eternal life. I'll tell you, when, you're, when it's your time to go, there's only a little bit of time left. Who cares how much money you have, how many things you have? We don't have you, and here, we can bring life eternal. Yet making many riches, having nothing, and yet possessing all things. If you have Jesus, you are a child of God. You have everything. You have everything. Hallelujah. So, can we say a prayer together? And if there's one person here that doesn't know Jesus, I want you to grab a hold of this prayer, a confessing with your mouth, believe it in your heart. If you don't believe, it's just mumbo-jumbo. Believe in your heart. If you can just pray with me. Jesus, Jesus. you are the way, the truth, and the life. 
You died for me. You took all my sins upon yourself. I believe that. Yes, I am a sinner. I have sinned. But you have forgiven me. Even as I've confessed my sins. And your blood washes me clean. I receive you into my life so that I can have relationship with the Father. To be born of God. To be a child of God. I belong to you, Father. You love me. And let me love you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I just pray at this time, I pray that we would have the ministry of reconciliation, that we would reconcile people to God, that God would be their father. They would recognize the son of God, the one that died for, for them on a cross. They would recognize, even as they keep their faith in Jesus Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit is there for them. Lord, I pray the anointing of your Spirit upon us to be ministers of reconciliation. Lord, to have favor, the favor of God, that people could have the favor of God in their lives. They don't have to be afraid of what's going on and what may be happening down the road or their situation. They don't have to be afraid because they have a heavenly father that loves them so much and knows their situation and desires for relationship to bestow favor, the favor of God on their lives. Lord, I pray for just an encouragement and a rejoicing in the hearts and lives of my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, those that are watching online, those that may watch online down the road, Lord, that there would be an encouragement, a rejoicing, truly, of who you are in their lives. Lord, that they would know how much you love them. And Lord, they will be ready for your return. And Lord, that they would allow others to be made right and be made ready because we would be ministers of reconciliation. We thank you for your heart, Father. You do love us. We thank you for your heart. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.